Hello, and welcome to Clashy, a podcast where we discuss the classy and the trashy in pop culture. This evening, or morning, or late night, if you have insomnia, or whenever you're listening to this, we will be discussing North by Northwest and Spy Kids. My name is Andrea, and a classy fact about me is that I will soon be attending a Studio Ghibli symphony, which I'm very excited about. <gasps> lovely. That is um, lovely. Yeah, I think it's going to be amazing. And trashy fact about me is so this is something that's eternal and that I've always had an issue with, but especially since like I've been in charge of my own fridge, I have <laughs> a, a out of sight, out of mind mentality, and so does my husband. <laughs> And so, like, sure. we put all the stuff in the front of the fridge, and when something new comes in, those things just get pushed back. <laughs> and then about once a month, we have a reckoning with how much food waste we've had in there. And oh, yeah. We are way better. We're way better. But, like, it's still, it's it's a problem. Especially with two people, right, when you're making meals and stuff. It's really weird how hard it is to keep up with the leftovers in the front rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, as soon as you're, like, unloading groceries and stuff and, like, your arms are full, you're just like, I'll just rearrange it later. <laughs> and you're, like, somehow always in a hurry. Hero always wants to go on a walk right then, right? So we're just shoving stuff in the fridge. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this beef stew's been back here for, like, a week and a half. <laughs> I don't know. So. Bummer. I used to not be able to put anything in my drawers, my like, my vegetable crisper drawers. Yeah. I used mm-hmm. to forget about things and they would just, like, completely, like, vegetables would just go so bad. In the drawer Ugh, because the I couldn't see them. Like literally out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. But now mm-hmm. I can see right into them. Oh, nice. Stuff. <laughs> That's good. My name is Chandra and a classy fact about me is that I bought a bento box last weekend mm-hmm. and have been taking my lunch in, which first of all is pretty impressive because there's a subway right downstairs. <laughs> Such order. So. Such like. <laughs> Such self And I've been yeah. eating vegetables and fruits. <laughs> Which is a big accomplishment for me. The just thriving, everybody. I love it. And a trashy no, legit, fact about me is that I bought a new game called Civilization Six, And I bought it last Saturday and I didn't start playing it till last Saturday night. And it is now, uh, it's less than, it's like 10 days since I bought it. Uh-huh. I have played over 40 hours. Listen, that's how it nice. goes. When you get like a new game, like Jared and I just got Horizon Forbidden West, and you better believe it's taken over our lives. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I just, I mean, like part of it was helpful because I needed to stay up all night one night because of work things, and I just stayed up all night playing that game. And like the thing is, is like there's no like rush to like finish it. Like oh, you have to get to this point and stop. It's like it's like a board game. You take turns. So there's I can stop whenever, but I don't. Hi, I'm Sarah. Uh, my classy fact is that my family and I recently got to stay in a historic hotel, so that was pretty cool. A mm. uh, trashy fact is that we are very thrifty, is a way of putting it. And you could you had the option to like dine in the lodge restaurant, which was like very fancy uh, and expensive. So instead of doing that, we went to like a lunch counter cafeteria, bought a couple cartons of milk and ate shredded wheat that we had packed with us. Uh, that's, that's economical. I love it. Mm-hmm. Me too. 
like when I went to yes, yes. Disney with my friends for the first time after we graduated, we all saved up and went and everybody's like eating out. And I'm like, I don't know about you guys, but when I went on vacation, we ate granola bars. Out oh, of yeah, for sure. Bag 100%. The time. Yeah. And no shade to it. But it was like, we like we canceled our dinner. We we're like, we don't want to spend, uh, you know, that much money. So let's just cancel our dinner reservations and eat shredded wheat. That, by the way, we had to pack into a snow coach that we had to try. <laughs> like, it was wild. I... It was really tasty, though. I'm not going to lie. We were hungry. We went snowshoeing. We got back. We're like, ready for that shredded wheat, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so our first film, North by Northwest, is a, directed by Al- Alfred Hitchcock, and it stars Cary Grant and uh, Eva Marie Saint and James Mason, who I didn't recognize, but, you know, that's on me. Um, <laughs> and it's about a man who is mistaken by criminals as an FBI secret agent who actually doesn't exist and goes in pursuit of finding this man who is essentially causing a lot of ruin in his life um, and trying to figure out what's going on. It's basically a spy thriller. Um, uh, Spy thriller, light on the spying and also light on the thrills, but we'll get into that later. (laughs) That's one of Um, my main complaints about the movie. So what are your guys' experiences with this lovely film? I had to watch it multiple times for film classes. Um, She says staring into the abyss. It's fine. (laughs) It's a fine Mm. movie. Um, I I do know that, like, through a modern lens, I am more critical. Like, I think it was really suspenseful for people back then. Like, that whole... The whole, like, scene with the crop dusting, like, it's, like, iconic. And everybody's, like, the way he did suspense. And I'm, like, it's, like, seven minutes long. Mm-hmm. It's, I have so much to say about that. Uh, which too. I guess I'll save for later. But Mine are yes. mainly geographic complaints. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, oh, the freaking scenery. The scenery stage? between New York and Chicago. Yeah. A train ride, which I've taken many, many times. And it was, like, <laughs> what are these oceanic mountains? <laughs> That's what I. This like Michigan, like what is this? Literally painted background, but anyway, anyway. So like, I just think it's just painted flat. (laughs) We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we are. It's true, as always. I wish this movie would have gotten ahead of itself. (laughs) Good lord. Oh my god. So yeah, my experience with it was I. So I had not seen it before. I had seen a few other uh, Hitchcock movies, and I hadn't seen any until like grad school. So like you know. Uh, recently-ish. I saw Psycho first, and it was one of those movies, while it has its issues, um, I was like, oh, wow, everyone talks this movie up so much, but it is actually really good, which is kind of annoying, because Hitchcock's a total asshole. Uh, Same with The Birds, which, uh, even worse for him. So, you know, like, kind of begrudgingly, like, you know, one of those, oh, what a what a genius artist, but, like, there was no need for him to be such a, such a dick. So there's this weird part of me that was like, ha, this movie sucks. This is paced like a film student made it, and it's, <laughs> like, part of me is, like, weirdly happy to be able to be like, ha Hitchcock's not that great. <laughs> Very nice. Which I know is petty, but yeah. <laughs> Shandra, what about you? Um... I had never seen North by Northwest, and I was actually excited to see it because, like, I don't know, it feels like it's one of those classics that everyone should see. But I uh, – well, Andrea kind of warned us that it was going to be disappointing. The only other Hitchcock movie I'd seen was The Birds, and we saw that. We read The Birds. Isn't that, a, like, a the short story is a Truman Capote book, isn't it? I had no idea, no. The Birds. I don't know. Anyways, cool. we read the short story, and then I watched the movie. The plot begins with – uh, what is his actual name? Roger Thornhill, who's played by Cary Grant, who is treated like um the most irresistible 
siren of a man in this film, which is, I mean, like, I'm not trying, like, he's a fine looking gentleman, but the way that women just like throw themselves like magnets at him is hilarious. Anywho, he's like out to a business dinner and ends up getting kidnapped by a couple of dudes who keep calling him George Kaplan. And he's brought to the home of uh, uh, this guy Van Damme, who thinks that he is, uh, and this this unfolds kind of gradually, everything in this movie unfolds gradually, <laughs> but just to make it clear to you listeners, basically Van Damme thinks that Thornhill is a secret agent for the FBI and you know wants to get rid of him. So <laughs> do you guys have anything to say about these early scenes with uh, where we meet our main character? Well, going back to what you said about women throwing themselves at him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This is such a thing in Hitchcock movies that I just cannot stand. And it's just a lot of... <laughs> Cary Grant is probably his most attractive male lead. Um, but there's these gorgeous... What about Jimmy Stewart? Model women throwing <laughs> themselves at Jimmy flipping Stewart in these movies. I know this nope. isn't this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not this movie. But, like, when you watch Rear Window it was and Grace Kelly walks in in, like, this perfect dress. She's gorgeous. And she's just like, when are you going to marry me? And Jimmy Stewart's like... I don't know. Look at my camera. I'm like, what's happening? He's like, why don't you go to the library? Am I supposed to believe this? Because, like, the yeah. way the women are often written very flat and in horribly. I would say, actually, um, Eve is one of the best ones that he Yeah, does. she's an interesting character. But, yeah, that, um, that, I just wanted to reiterate. I'm like, this is a common theme in Hitchcock movies that I am so tired right, of. Right, because... Not only are the men not like Adonises, but they're also like not particularly like nice or charming. So yeah, they're like, also so... misogynists, and the girls are like, oh, yeah. "We love that." <laughs> <laughs> what could be hotter? <laughs> um, so one woman, in uh, obviously a non-romantic way, that this character interacts with that I find hilarious is his mom. Like they both <laughs> like needle each other so much. Um, that's pretty amusing. But again, the mom's just like kind of a nagging pest essentially i feel like the inclusion of his mom is a weird thing because it just disappears yeah it just disappears and i think they have a very weird relationship i know you say they just narc on each other all the time but like i found it a little it is strange and also they did not look like mom and son they look like contemporaries (laughs) in the same age well yeah because like the mom's essentially the catalyst somehow for him getting kidnapped so he's at this lunch meeting he realizes that he has to call his mom about like a they're gonna go to a theater uh, a show at the theater later that night and so he's like stepping out to do that when the thugs grab him then he's she like doesn't believe him we'll get into that a little bit later and then um well, let's just get into it now. So these guys bring him back to the house and they're like threatening him. And he's like, I have no idea what you are talking about, which <laughs> we talked about this, I think, in the last episode where like I get so stressed out when people don't believe care. Like if something's well, obviously in real life, but in characters are like, I'm telling the truth and I need your help. And people are like, yeah, right. You're crazy. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> the first like 25 minutes of this movie were just that. And I was like, oh, crap. So what they do is like force feed force drink him a like entire bottle of bourbon or scotch i can't remember something disgusting um because dark dark liquor absolutely (laughs) but um uh and then they put him behind the wheel of a car and they're gonna make it look like he you know crashed it and died but he manages to like wrestle them off and then in the first of like because i feel like up to this point the movie's paced pretty well like you know there's some jokes in there you know um 
He was talking to his secretary at the beginning, and he's like, I feel like I'm getting a little bit of weight. Put a, put a note on my desk in the morning that just says, think thin. And, like, you know, he's just, like, this goofy, like, <laughs> guy. Um, but then this, can you call it a chase scene? Because it's, like, the slowest-paced thing in the world, but it's, like, one of those old-timey driving scenes, or there's, like you guys said, like, the scrolling painted scenery behind him, and he's, he's like, swerving back and forth, like, down this mountain road, and it's, like, scary, and, uh, or not really scary, it's supposed to be scary, and it's it stressful, takes, like, five but minutes. it's not scary. Like, <laughs> it was so, so long. long, I was, like, did a, whatever, he, <laughs> he crashes into a car, because he tries not to run, no, a cop starts following him. He slams on his brakes so he doesn't run over an old lady. And then the cops take him in for drunk driving. And he's trying to tell them what's going on, but they don't believe him. His mom doesn't believe him. They go back to the house where they took him the next day because he's like, look, uh, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm telling the truth. And then the criminals basically set it up to make it look like he's lying. Also incredibly stressful. <laughs> and at this point, you know, I'm like, well, shit, you know, I would be fighting this off as hard as I could, too. And the mom's like, just pay the $2 fine. And I was like, $2? Drinking an entire bottle of bourbon and hitting a cop car in the fight is two dollars. White man, am I right? <laughs> uh, a white man. Seriously? Sorry, I always quote Schmidt mm-hmm. from the no. Russia. <laughs> no. All right. So basically, after all of this, he's like, "What is going on? Why do these people think I'm this George Kaplan guy?" He goes to what's supposed to be this man's hotel room and basically like follows a trail that takes him to the UN, um, where he gets not exactly framed. Basically, he's talking to a senator who's involved in the case, uh, or, or they basically used his name. He's some foreign minister, or yeah. Something. And he's he's supposed to he's supposed to be like Townsend or something. He was supposed to he's that's where Van Zam or whatever his name is took. Um, yeah, Roger took it to Townsend's house, but Townsend was staying in town. He basically stole his identity, and so he like goes after this wrong guy. And while he's in the UN building, one of the thugs throws a knife across a room, stabs the senator in the back, and then this ding-dong grabs the knife and pulls it out of his back as everybody turns to look. And he's like, I didn't do it! And he, like, holds the knife up to, like, a news photographer. It's so rough. And is then on the run for murder. It's so... Here's here's one of the issues I think I had with this movie. It was so goofy at times. And there were a couple moments where it was like, oh, this is comedy, right? But even the action scenes, even the moments that were supposed to be suspenseful or scary or, like you know, whatever, were so goofy <laughs> that I was like, is this a, is this supposed to be fun? Like, is this supposed to be like, um, like a comedy of errors? But it's not. It's a suspense film. So it felt so strange to watch. <laughs> well, that's what's interesting because I think it gets commended a lot for that. Like, um, I mean, so it, this is, this is what makes me so mad. <laughs> like Hitchcock does like, you know, rear window. He does vertigo. He does psycho a couple years after this. That's what people are like. That's his thing. And isn't it so cool that he made this action movie with comedy inspired by James Bond and like blah, blah, blah. But then like Chloe Zhao goes from making Nomadland to the Eternals and Ryan Coogler Mm -hmm. goes from making Creed to like Black Panther. And people are like, it's such a tonal shift and it's like not the same quality. (laughs) And I'm like, what are you? Uh... It's just, you know, obvious. We We know what the real issue is, is that they're not white men. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, like, it's hard for me. I'm like, I'm actually, I love the idea of directors doing something completely different. I, I think that's the yeah, sign totally. of a good director, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, like, the only thing I could commend him on that I do not like Alfred yeah. Hitchcock at all. Hitchcock at all. Um, but, you know, like, 
hey, at least add some variety into it. But then, like, just the critical masses being like, isn't it so cool he did that? And then, like, completely roasting other people. It just, it just grinds my gears. That is completely fair. And it was also, and we'll, we'll, there will be more examples of this as we go through, but whereas in the few other movies that I've seen of his, he, you know, because like you said, he's known, his, like, his, his title or whatever is the Master of Suspense. Uh, not to be confused with the Master of Disguise, very different movie. Um, or is it? We should have done that as a spy. I don't know. <laughs> in, in his few other movies that I've seen, like, for example, take the birds. There's, like, the, these long scenes of them just, like, driving and these birds just kind of ominously gathering around them. Which sounds ridiculous, right? But doesn't feel ridiculous. It doesn't feel as ridiculous as any of the things that happened in this movie. And it's, it, like, I remember going into the concept of the bird like there's no way that this movie's gonna be scary but like it was because that movie somehow it's is directed terrifying. in a way where like the moments that are clung on to make you feel like you're like trapped and it's scary whereas this one i was just like how is this movie still happening like the like so the chase scenes are all super oh, long gosh. there were so getting... many like uncomfortable unsuccessful flirting scenes Ugh. that went on forever <laughs> For so long. And it was just like, there was one in particular where like, we'll get to it when he meets uh, Eve, but like this woman that he like starts this affair with, this love affair with, they're like, (laughs) just like vertically rolling around. Like, like, so like they're like up against the wall together and then they like keep rolling along the wall for, I don't know, five hours? Forever. (laughs) I kept saying, just fade to black already. We get it. We understand. (laughs) Like Like, we, they're into each other. Like every scene just felt like, way too long, which I thought was so interesting with like and disappointing for someone who's known for this. Right, with yeah, exactly. So like what you're saying, like in the birds, like that scene where the birds are slowly flying up to the cords behind her on the telephone pole, there's still yeah. a scene happening. So we're creeped out by these right. these birds and, they're, and it's taking a long time. The length builds the suspense, but like, yeah, in this movie, it's like as soon as the guy says that plane's not dusting crops... Mm-hmm. And like, there's two swipes. Mm-hmm. We're done. We get it. That's it. Yeah. And instead, mm-hmm. it's just like seven minutes mm-hmm. of nothing else happening in the background. And I'm just yeah, like, it's wild. Much longer. Every scene goes on so long. Um, shout out by the way. Speaking of the birds, to the episode of Arthur on PBS where they all watch the squirrels on TV and get terrified. <laughs> I had a problem with the music. Yeah, in this movie. Me too. Now that you mention it. It felt like it really, first of all, it pulled me out of the scene several times. And second of all, the music seems to try and bring the tension like we were talking about. Like it's trying to build the tension by using like ostinato and stuff like that. But it doesn't. Like the scene goes on so long and you just have this constantly building into mm-hmm. nothing. <laughs> Sound Like background music and it's just... Very frustrating. And plus, it's like very, I was going to say horny, but that's not right. <laughs> well, it was a cornfield that he was running through, I think. <laughs> she said horny. No, horny. Like, there was too oh. much corn. <laughs> that's even better. I know that was, Sarah, you could have made a joke out of it and you missed your opportunity. I could have. I missed it. I missed it. Well, you know what? I know. Speaking of missed opportunities, they have these beautiful actors with, I want to say, zero chemistry. <laughs> and the scenes between them, it's like, it's as if, the, it's as if they're like, Surely if we keep the film rolling for 24 hours straight, there'll be a, a spark of chemistry between them that we can capture for the screen. And it's just like, there is nothing. Just like... It's painful. Hmm. Yeah. We mentioned a little bit before this, but the the mom sort of drops out of the story completely. Um, 
<laughs> but one of her finer moments is when he convinces her to like help him sneak into what he thinks is George Kaplan's room. And he's like looking at all of their stuff and they're like breaking and entering and all this. Uh, he like looks at his suit and he's like, oh, this guy had dandruff. And the mom's like, well, in that case, I think we should leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So they're at the UN. Well, he flees from the UN. He's on the lamb. He calls his mom and he's like, gotta go. <laughs> then he sneaks onto a train with the unexpected help of this beautiful blonde bombshell um, who then like uh, basically finagles things so that he sits at dinner with her and is just immediately down to bang. She's like, hey, you're a criminal. Get that criminal dick over here. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's awful. It's just... It's bad. Uh, bad. Again, there's like extra motives. Like, she's a more layered character. Mm-hmm. And like, as much as I want to roast... Alfred this whole time and I'm going to continue to do it Mm. like we are like this did lay down a few tropes that Mm -hmm. like inspired a lot of future films like I do think that Eve was like the seed that led us to West Berlin and the in Casino Royale with James Bond who was the most interesting and fleshed out of the quote Bond girls which is a stupid concept to begin with (laughs) right but like we and and then like you know like th- his character was refreshing at the time to a lot of people. But for mm. me, I'm just like, oh yeah, another really overly confident guy who doesn't deserve said confidence, you know. Well, and that's the funny thing too is I'm like, you're on the run. You know that there's like a hidden identity and spies and craziness going on, and you're just immediately like, oh yeah, this lady wants me, and I won't question it at all. Because- <laughs> What happens is she, you know, they hook up in uh, just, a, like I said, a perpetual scene. It just never ends. <laughs> but um, it's so, so long. long. And then it like, so it like goes to their like pre-hookup flirting. Then she helps him hide from the uh, detectives that are following him on the train. Then goes back to their flirting. And then it like, you know, tastefully fades to black or whatever. Comes back to them flirting more and talking about having sex again. And I'm just like, this is. The most boring, <laughs> the most boring thing I've ever seen. <laughs> all they had to do was like fade to black so early on. They didn't need to build up that flirting. Like, yeah, it's you know like, what's we are happen. all adults here. They established <laughs> we it understand dinner. the implications. This was one of the like first movies to imply that, right? I think oh, I so. I'll look it know. up. But like, yeah, I think we talked about that in class, especially the ending scene on the train. Girl. <laughs> and everybody was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, which I didn't even clock. And now we're just like, okay, but like, did they? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, of course they didn't. So what Andrea's referring to is, spoiler alert, uh, these characters end up together at the end and decide to do their honeymoon on a train because that's where they met. uh, And they're like, and you're like, okay, so they're about to have sex in their little uh, bunk bed. And then the camera zooms out and then the train goes into a tunnel and at the time ever this is like a shocking scandalous visual you know a film innuendo i didn't even clock it i was just like (laughs) (laughs) stunned that the movie was (laughs) oh for the the amount that this is stretched like silly putty this movie and so abruptly i like gasped out loud (laughs) guys wait i was like did i skid on the remote is it over guys i just googled it and it was uh, like, yeah. So this that scene, it was it was very like scandalous. And I just have to read this sentence. At the end of the film, Cary Grant pulls Ava Marie Saint into into an upper berth in a Pullman sleeper car. Oh okay. yeah, that's what that that's what they call the bed. The it's like a ship. It says 
The shot is followed by an exterior shot of a, quote, phallic train entering a tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) What English major did this? Oh, my God. (laughs) Freud was like, "Uh, I traveled in time to see this Hitchcock movie. (laughs) Jiminy Cricket. That's hilarious. Well, okay. Well, before we get to that. Do you think we're going to get an R rating on our podcast episode because of that? It's true. It's an E rating. God, do you even podcast? (laughs) Yeah, well, same thing. (laughs) Not to be confused for all of the parents and children listening to this podcast out there. E is explicit in podcasts and everyone in video games. So don't get it twisted. (laughs) And some and in some fan fiction websites, but I would like to clarify one more time. I know we say it a lot. If you're a child, please don't listen to our podcast. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell your parents. I'm the cool aunt. <laughs> I don't wanna be responsible for your trauma. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So anyway, uh okay, so so uh, what's her face? Eve is like, I'll help you find this Kaplan man. And um, you find out, oh, no, she's working for the criminal Van Damme and his, oh, my God, his assistant that is the creepiest looking man. I've Like, he he plays it creepy on purpose. But every time he's on the screen, I'm like, Whoa. are you talking about the tall one? The eyes. It's the eyes. Yeah. yeah. The tall one. Mm-hmm. The one that's at the end, too. He looks. He reminds me of the guy in Titanic. That is the the servant valet guy of. um. Rose's ex-fiance. I don't even remember that character oh, whatsoever. I don't. Isn't he like a big bald guy? I just know Billy Zane is the ex-fiance. Oh, no, maybe I'm thinking of Billy Zane. not my lover. He's just my get, fiance and I'm going to get married uh, never mind. to Jack. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, no, he um, is super dead. <laughs> gorgeous. Thank you. Sarah, will you finish up the train section so I can talk about um, how droughty it is in Indiana? <laughs> yeah, okay, well, um, basically, they, uh, uh, we find out that Eve is working with the bad guys. Uh, they get to Chicago after passing some beautiful mountainous scenery. And, uh, Chandra, did you have anything you want to say about that? <laughs> well, I just think my notes say, wow, <laughs> look at that coastline <laughs> from New York City to Chicago. Oh and I just... <laughs> I just feel like as someone who has spent a lot of time in the Chicago mm, train station, that that was not the Chicago no. train station. No, I've been literally stranded in a snowstorm <laughs> in that station. It is I think not we, the station. All, we all have spent a decent amount of time in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I would just yeah. like to say. Yeah, I think we have. Absolutely not. Absolutely Hitchcock's not. whole thing was that he didn't like filming on location. So he did lots <laughs> of stuff on sound stages and painted backgrounds. Because, uh, you know, that really realistic Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Oh my god, we will get to that when we get to that. There's some fun facts like, about that. That's the thing. It's like if you're gonna paint the background mm-hmm. and do this on a sound stage, have the decency to know what Indiana looks like. They put one cornfield. <laughs> show some gosh dang respect so to the flyover states, okay? Yeah. So so basically what happens California. is that Eve is <laughs> So basically what happens is Eve tells um Roger that um she's like helping him meet up with Kaplan. And she says, Kaplan told me to tell you to get on this bus from Chicago to Indiana and get off at this pra- this stop, Prairie Stop, in- on Highway 41. Which Highway 41, they were right there. There's a Highway 41 yeah. that would essentially line up with an hour and a half away from Chicago. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> and they make a note that it's hot outside. So we know it's not winter in Indiana. And it is dusty as hell and brown as hell. When I know for... <laughs> A fact, as someone who grew up in Indiana, about an hour and a half south mm-hmm. of Chicago, it's so green. green. It's super green. It's humid. Green, 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 as green. hell. 
Blood. It's green oh everywhere. So, there should have been deafening crickets. Absolutely deafening crickets. The cicadas. He should have stepped out. The cicadas should have been screaming. As soon as you walk out. That's why I, I knew that airplane scene. And then I just like, I never realized the airplane scene was supposed to take place in okay, Indiana. And like, sure, guys. I mean, one of our one of the Spencer's favorite things is when they fudge location filming. And most often it's like, you know, oh, this is New York City. JK, it's Toronto. Or, you know, Chicago. But it it's just so funny like two of us who grew up in the Midwest and one of the one of us who lived there for a long time is just there's such a distinct look mm-hmm. and such an easy look <laughs> to replicate to just yeah. be like and I can guarantee <laughs> it would not be expensive to film a few scenes there or Mm-mm. like they'd probably yeah, be like oh my god not. we're gonna build a statue of you in this town <laughs> no they, they like drove 30 minutes off of the set in we California would've. and they, they literally did they transplanted some corn like there was no corn there they just yeah. had to have like a little patch for him to hide in, and I'm like, absolutely not. Honestly, I was offended. Seen. Um, and also plot wise, I'd like to point out that this guy is so boner blinded that this woman that he just met and is throwing herself at him is like, drive out or like take the bus out to the middle of nowhere where no one can hear you scream and meet this strange man. And he's like, you got it, babe. <laughs> yeah, that's what everybody's always congratulating him on. Is he's like, I want it to be this open Hitchcock. Sorry, I want it to be this open space. So that when you're stranded there, there's nowhere to run. But like the Then go to the, the Midwest, ease, dumbass. I know, right? The <laughs> ease at which he gets trapped in this situation. And then he actually does get away into a little patch of corn. And again, the scene lasts seven minutes. I'm like, I Yes. I, we're gonna get hate for this guys because it's supposed to be one of the most beautifully shot suspense scenes in cinema. And every time I... I'm just like, cut it in I want 20%. Slice it in twain. Yes. It's okay. So sorry. To be clear, again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. He's standing at the bus stop. He's like waiting for someone to come um, interminably. Like, I don't even know. I think I might have just made up a word, but whatever. (laughs) Like, he's waiting for someone to come. (laughs) This goes on for quite some time. Finally, a crop duster plane comes out, dives toward him. He stares at it for a long time, but to be fair, I have no idea how I'd react if a plane was just flying straight at me. I feel like my brain would be like, that's clearly not what's happening. You know, does not compute. So I'll give him a pass <laughs> on that. But then he like dives down into a ditch. This plane is shooting what appears to be a machine gun, like a mounted machine gun um, based on like the way it's firing. Um, misses him. He dives into a cornfield. For some reason, they don't just mow it across because like Andrea mentioned, it's like three feet of corn. Um, they miss him again. He's like rolling around. This goes on for. I'm gonna Google it real quick because it's seven to ten minutes at least. <laughs> How long is the mm-hmm. plane? Oh my f- gosh! Oh my goodness! <laughs> okay, genuine guesses uh, to the 15 second mark. How long this is? I'll just yeah, go like... right in the middle, and I'm gonna say eight minutes. <laughs> okay, Shander. Ten and a half. So close. Nine minutes and 45 seconds. Great Gatsby. Oh my <laughs> Like exaggerating listeners. No. Like that's how how long is this movie? Is this movie four hours long? <laughs> it's like two hours and ten minutes, because I was trying to North. Two hours and sixteen minutes. Doesn't sound long enough. Must not be correct. It can't be right. Because <laughs> so, every time I paused it, I was like, how is there so much of this movie left? Okay, but ironically, we were talking about how long this scene is for so long. <laughs> but like also, Sarah, can I just say like Sarah did the summary for this movie, and thank goodness, because when I thought about it, I'm like, how much useless side crap happens in this movie? 
Oh, so like, much. I'm so glad I do not have to write this summary. Honestly, like I'm I'm streamlining this in a way that Hitchcock could never. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so he escapes this uh, plane. The way he does so is he sees a car, uh, sorry, a truck coming, runs out in front to stop it. They slam on the brakes at the last second, and then the plane comes, crashes into the tank, causes an explosion. When people stop to look at it, he gets in the car, their car, and drives away, and they're like, hey, bring that back. Um, he does not. Um, <laughs> which, fair. At this point, he's on the run from the law anyway, and he's got to save his life. So he gets back to Chicago, basically finds out that Eve is uh, two faces of Batman uh, guy. He, two timing. Two double agent ing. You could say any of that, yeah. Two step. <laughs> <laughs> across the floor um <laughs> she finds out that she's working for his nemesis and okay what i think and props where it's due again this scene goes on too long but there's a uh, he he confronts eve and van damme at a art auction and is like oh he's basically like you disgusting whore i can't believe i trusted you gross what an icky woman i hate you and then van damme's like uh did you hook up with this woman who i'm clearly with and so we're like "Uh oh that's probably not great for her um then uh ding dong what's his face thornhill our main boy Cary grant realizes that he's surrounded and won't be able to leave the art auction without getting shot basically so what he does is basically causes a scene by bidding incorrectly and making fun of the stuff that they're selling and all this so that, like, uh, people get angry at him. And then he starts a fight so that the cops are called so the police take him um, out safely. Which uh, was one of the more, like, creative, interesting, funny scenes. But again, could have been cut by at least a third. <laughs> um, like, we get it. We it's understand so what he's doing. Have him do it, like, a few times. We get it. <laughs> Not only is it, like, long and drawn out, like, it's it's... A, it's too long, but B, there's so many, like, pauses and, like, look at this camera, look at this camera, like, yep. looking back and forth, and, like, it's just, everything takes so much time, and, like, I just kept thinking, I just went to go see the new movie Uncharted with um, Mark Wahlberg and uh, uh-huh. Tom Holland, and everything was, like, you know, fast-paced, things are moving along, you don't have to say everything mm-hmm. that's happening, right. you know what I mean? Movie making has changed over time, but also it's just so frustrating to look back on a you know, a classic movie and be so frustrated with the pacing and the way things are happening. But at the same time, like there's move, like we talked about, we actually, all of us love movies from this era mm-hmm. and like they're paced. Well, mm-hmm. like every Kurosawa movie, which was before I would say, like they're, they're amazingly mm-hmm. paced. Like mm-hmm. I, I honestly, mm-hmm. like I'll give it some, leeway for the time, but also, <laughs> I mean, I, but again, not really because other Hitchcock sure. movies are paced so yeah, well they're the pacing better. is part of what makes them like if you describe the plot of some of his movies you're like oh is that all that happens but like the whole time you're like on the edge of your seat this one i was very much leaning back in my seat <laughs> trying not to fall asleep okay so he escapes uh he gets taken by the cops in chicago he's like i'm the murderer like the famous murderer that you should definitely know is a famous murderer um from the guy at the un and then they're like all right we're taking you in and then they get told to take him to the airport where a cia agent who we had previously seen in the movie being like Ooh, sucks that this poor random Thornhill guy got mistaken for a fake secret agent, but we can't undo all the work that we've done, so I guess we have to let him die. Uh, he changes his mind and comes and gets Thornhill, and he's like, we're going to use you um, to help, basically, in a sting operation is the best way I can describe it, uh, sort of type thing. It's probably thing. the most unrealistic thing, because our FBI would have let him die. 
Oh, I mean, they were fully going to until they could use them. So I'm <laughs> not <laughs> like that, I believe. A def- definitely during um, 59. Wouldn't that be McCarthy area? Yeah. Is that too early for McCarthy? No, I think it is. I think it's not, is it? Definitely yeah. J. Edgar Hoover, though, right? Like, girl, I don't know. So he's like, I'm not going to help you guys. You guys were just going to let me die. And they're like, well, but if you... You've basically cast suspicion on our actual agent, uh, and they're in danger. And that agent is the lady you hooked up with that one time. So <laughs> he's like, "Oh, now I have to, I have to, you know, help her." They travel to South Dakota, and they're going to Mount Rushmore. Um, and <laughs> what, what a, happens is what a boring place to. <laughs> That's so one sorry. of the most uh, yeah. So they meet there, and they basically have this fake out seat. Right. Um, where they set it up to make it look like he's trying to get he he wants to get revenge on Eve and then she ends up shooting him and you're like, oh, no. And then she runs away and then they meet in the woods behind Mount Rushmore. And we find out that it's all a setup to make him think that George Kaplan, quote unquote, is dead and that Eva or sorry, Eve can be trusted. Uh, I keep calling her Eva because that's her <laughs> actress's name. That's um, her real name, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it goes off without a hitch, except that he's like, but wait, spend the night with me. And she's like, I can't. I have to fly to this other country with this man that I'm, you know, being a spy on. And he gets really upset about this. So they knock him out. Of course <laughs> so he, he can't stop her from he's, leaving. Can you have some self-awareness and, like, understand the situation, buddy? <laughs> yeah. He's like, but I thought we were gonna... And she's like, I can't. Like, the whole point of this was so that I could continue this mission. And he's like... Burr, burr, burr. This is where the scene... Like, something about this scene made me feel really nostalgic. And I couldn't mm-hmm. figure it out until I saw, like, a wood scene later on. It's the, the bright Technicolor film, like... Uh-huh. picture and just like you know the 1950s cars and their architecture and everything it finally hit me while i was feeling like nostalgic i spent the whole movie i was like oh this is so nice and i'm like why why is this evoking so many emotions for me i wasn't alive uh-huh. then. what's going on um it reminds me of the original parent trap oh that's, oh, that's nice. Sweet. And I watched that a lot as a kid. It countered the anger of like, what is going on in this movie? <laughs> well, speaking of anger with this movie, apparently uh, the DOI, the Department of the Interior, the and the folks in charge specifically of Mount Rushmore, gave Hitchcock permission. Uh, this is from a Mental Floss article, by the way. Gave him permission to actually film on Mount Rushmore. And the one restriction that they put on was he had a promise not to depict any acts of violence taking place on the president's faces or let the actors run around disrespectfully on their heads. Well, guess what happens <laughs> a little bit later in this movie? So he does this on location. And in other scenes, doesn't he have a painted background? Like, just Well, what happened is he was basically boasting to someone, I think at the local newspaper, about how he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to film this crazy fight scene, which we'll get to in a second, on the president's heads. The people found out about that, so they revoked his patent um, for desecration. Or his patent, sorry, his permit. And um, <laughs> so they were allowed to film in the parking lot, which we get some scenes in, the cafeteria, which is where she shoots him. And they got, like, footage of the memorial. And then they created a painted, like like, a mock-up with a painted background and like stuff for them to climb on. But <laughs> people okay, still thought it was the okay, real, real Mount Rushmore. Know. People still thought it was the real Mount Rushmore. So basically the people that worked there were still like, well, gosh dang it. 
<laughs> yeah, so he wakes up in a hospital. The CIA guy is like, well, you know, sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, the mission is is doing well. Uh, Eve's going to be leaving in like an hour. And so he sneaks out of the hospital to go get her. And lucky that he did follow his, uh, you know, manly gut instinct because he overhears creepy assistant man talking to Van Damme about how he realized that there were blanks in Eve's gun and that she couldn't be trusted. And they decide that they're going to throw her into the ocean uh, off of the plane. And (laughs) he gets a message to her by writing on a matchbook. Um, And then he's like, don't get on the plane. And then she's walking out to get on the plane later because she can't find an excuse not to get on the plane. And Lord help me, what happens here? (laughs) Oh, he gets caught by the housekeeper with the gun. Thank you, he gets caught by the housekeeper. Then he realizes that she has the gun with the blanks in it. So he like gets in the car, runs out. She He like grabs her and saves her at the last moment. They're driving away. They're getting chased. They end up at the top of Mount Rushmore. And thus proceeds, again, what I think is supposed to be a serious, suspenseful action scene, but is the goofiest shit I have ever seen. <laughs> They're like scrabbling over the president's faces. Um people are like flying off and falling off of them. They're like fighting and stuff like that. And then she, they like kill the bad guys. She almost falls and he reaches down to grab her. And then he's like, she's like, I can't do it. He's like, hold on, I've got you. And he goes to pull her up. And then it cuts abruptly to him being like, come on up, Mrs. Thornhill to the bunk bed of their train where they are on their honeymoon and then the tunnel goes in or the train goes into the tunnel and then the movie is over so like i said this movie is so 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 stretched out then the climactic scene just abruptly cuts to the conclusion for like less than a minute and then it's over it's truly wild and honestly it's lovely to have that happen because you're like oh what big thing are they gonna do and it's like credits and you're like yeah okay good uh, Gotta we pee. Out. <laughs> i liked the transition scene of him pulling her like that like, yeah, it was abrupt and like there was a little more that needs mm-hmm. to be covered there. But I like I thought that was a pretty yeah. good transition. Well, speaking yeah. of things that need to be covered better. So I, and I kind of glazed over this, too, but he's falling. He's trying to pull Eve up. He's uh, uh, about to get Mufasa'd by the creepy, <laughs> um, <laughs> the creepy uh, assistant guy. And then that guy gets shot. And you look up and you see that the park rangers, I think, no, they're police officers, are up there. And then, but they're with Van Damme. And Van Damme's like, well, that's not very sporting to use a real bullet. And I'm like, wait, is Van Damme? working for the cia or did they arrest him or what i didn't even realize yeah we had to rewind it and look like i'm pretty sure let me double check the plot here Um, i don't remember i have not given it that much thought (laughs) i think my main question is how does roger thornhill continue on with his job after he was in the new like on the newspaper holding a big knife well i'm guessing if the cia knows what happened and they're there to clear you it'll probably help yeah he's a white man (laughs) <laughs> that too that does help <laughs> oh and he's yeah. yeah so any uh closing thoughts about ye old north by northwest oh i do want to say even though i bashed on it a lot there were a couple very funny parts in it like when um he's wearing hilariously small sunglasses like we're talking buffy season one size sunglasses that barely cover his eyes <laughs> as a disguise and he's wearing them inside the train station that goes like asking he's like what's up and he's like i just want to train and he's like oh blah 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 and he keeps asking questions he's like hey you got you got something wrong with your eyes and he's like yeah they're sensitive to too many questions <laughs> yeah, yeah that was good. speaking of season one buffy um something i forgot to mention earlier when we were talking about the chicago train station yeah. you know who does do the chicago train train who? station correctly the fugitive er oh, okay yeah that too <laughs> 
I am currently finishing up season three. Nice. <laughs> How many seasons of that are there? A gajillion? Uh, Holy like moly. It's I used to watch that with my mom. My mom would work the night shift at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I was, before I was in school, like I would climb in, she would be in bed like for an hour before I came in and bothered her. Oh. <laughs> and I would just climb into bed with her and we would watch ER. So That's very ER sweet. has a very that. special place in my heart. Rio I would be surprised, obviously. except you have watched so many uh, violent, traumatic things as a child that I'm not oh, supposed gosh, to yeah. I know who was having affairs when I was three. Like, it's not even a big deal. Like, you mean on the show? Yeah, on the show. <laughs> Is it because a train <laughs> went into a tunnel? And you're like, I know that. I know what that symbolizes. No, the the English major brainwashing came a few years later. No, that's fair. That's fair. But anyway, my thoughts on the film. You could watch so many hours of video. You could read so many essays about how Hitchcock uses camera angles, how he uses color, how, you know, he stages the scene. Mm -hmm. And this is where you see the least of that artistry to me. And I also just, I don't like him. Yeah. So, pass. (laughs) Right. Like, similar to what Shander was saying, this is a movie that I've, like, for a long time been like, oh, I should watch that movie. And I'm just like, huh. And poor Emily had never seen a Hitchcock movie, and this was her first one, and I was like, woof, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I like Rear Window. It's got Jimmy Stewart in it. Rear Window? Is that one good? That's the problem. Is like, I actually think Rear Window and Vertigo are the best ones, but there's a, it's a heavy dose of Jimmy. It's... What's the matter? You don't like Jimmy old Jimmy Stewart? (laughs) Apparently Jimmy Stewart was supposed to be in this one. (laughs) But Hitchcock was like, there's no way he'll be bought as a ladies' man. No, literally, he begged. He was like, I want to be in this movie. And he's like, so I got a lot of, like, criticism for you being unattractive in Vertigo and Kim Novak being a bombshell. I don't think he's, like, unattractive. I just don't think... I mean, honestly, I feel the same way as about Cary Grant in this movie, where I'm like, huh, sure. (laughs) I mean, young Cary Grant, sure. (laughs) I had that same problem. I was like, you know what? I realize that he's supposed to be, like, a big, like, you know, Hollywood guy, but... I don't see it. We should cut this out because we just sound like a bunch of jerks. But <laughs> He's not hot, so He's I don't like hot. him. <laughs> a fun fact that I think would be a good closer is that apparently the script was so convoluted and confusing that even Cary Grant, the star of the film, did not know what was happening. <laughs> and like halfway through filming, went to Hitchcock and was like, the script is garbage. No one's going to like it. And he was wrong. It was like a box office smash. But I mean, I feel like that's a bad. And of course, Hitchcock was like, oh, well, that's a good thing because then his confusion will read on the screen. And I'm like, you don't think you don't trust your lead actor to be able to act confused, even though he knows what's actually happening. For real. That's that's a good place. <sighs> well, should we proceed on to our next much more thrilling spy thriller? Spy kids! Woo! Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, let's do Spike It! (laughs) (laughs) Who's uh, summarizing this I am. Ah, let's do it. Okay, so a quick summary about Spy Kids. Uh, When two retired spies are kidnapped, their kids have to step in to save them. That's funny. Nailed that it. makes it look like it's from the perspective of the parents, but I love it. That's basically what the who like when I looked it up on when I was getting ready to watch it. That's basically what the summary was. No, I 100 percent believe that. I love it when they word things differently. Like yeah. that. Um. So experiences. Um. I could go. I saw this movie in theaters as a kid. Does anyone have on hand what year this came out? 
Um, I will in a second. I feel like I should know this. I, I want to say, I, I'm looking it up now, but I want to say... 2001. 2000... I'm going to guess three. It was 2001. I was going to say one. Oh, it was 2001. It was? Yeah. I don't know. What month 2001? <laughs> A little demanding. <laughs> um, <laughs> May. I'm Mar- just no, March, March 18th, 2001. Oh, God. A oh simpler gosh. time for movies about spies and blowing shit up. Oh. It's one month before I turn 11. Oh, so that means I was already 11, right? Yeah. I'm older than you. (laughs) Okay, cool. She's accepting. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm a dry I was in first grade. As Joe March would say. (laughs) I was in the... What grade are you in when you were 11? 11. No, no. I don't know the ages. 11th grade. (laughs) I'm flattered. I'm so flattered that you think that I'm one of those kids that can skip like 25 (gasps) grades. But first of all, I wouldn't have. And second of all, I was just saying, as I told I you guys before, it's super easy for me to know the grade, but the ages are harder. So yeah, the only thing I remember is 99 to 2000 was when we were in fourth grade, because I remember having a conversation with my fourth grade teacher about how hard it was to write zero, zero instead of nine, nine. And I was in <laughs> kindergarten. That's weird. So that you feels like you would... were basically like a sixty-year-old woman, but in a kindergartner's body or a fourth-grader's body, being like. I had a hard time dates, changing right? that. Time marches on because so, you like write the date and then instead of a nine, it has to be a zero, and that was really hard for me. <laughs> like that's this a big change. Memory. That's really so. Cute. March of two thousand one would have been my fifth grade year. Okay, so I would have been in. I think also. It doesn't matter. We don't need it. It's fine. The point is, we were kids. Were we spy kids? Sadly, no. Or were we? It's not like we could tell you. But we were kids when this came out. Um, I saw it in theaters with um, one of my middle school buddies or my siblings or something and uh, loved it. Uh, It was a great action movie for kids. Uh, As a kid, I enjoyed the kid jokes. As an adult, I enjoyed the wink at the parents, but also still the kid jokes. So, had a great time rewatching it. Haven't seen it in, like, years. But I remember (laughs) that. Me and my little sister really liked it, and I also remember that the sequel has tiny little animals, which I wanted so badly. Like, a giraffe that could fit in your hand. so uh, good. Adorable. Guys. It's, it's so, so good. good. I was going to talk about it. If we should it. honestly talk about Island of Lost Dreams then, as well. <laughs> but then um, the third movie, Spy Kids 3D, is the first 3D movie that I ever laid my little eyes on. Same. With those uncomfortable cardboard well, glasses. And, like, it's one of the last ones to actually do the 3D stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there was this period in time where every movie would come oh, out yeah. 3D and it was just, like, slightly more projected. No, this one had, like, fists coming out at you. Yeah. Yes. Because it was, like, almost like movie meets theme park ride level of, like, this is the this is crazy that, that we could do this. Right. And whereas modern 3D movies, it's kind of like there's, you know, there's, like, a obligatory scene of, like, someone throwing something toward the screen or like a, a action scene that feels like a roller coaster ride or something. So like when you're watching it on DVD or on the backseat of an airplane or something, you're like, this looks stupid. This is a waste <laughs> of time. Right. But I mean, I remember that Spy Kids 3D slapped. I have not seen it since I was, whenever that came Which out, what, 13 years old? that Alexa Vega becomes a pop star? It was in a post-credit scene of this one, I think. Was it? No, there was no post-credit scene. The post-credit scene was just... Walking down she a gets hallway, the belt, like Castle Machete makes her the belt five that seconds. makes her like a pop star. Yeah, 
Yeah. What? I don't remember that at it's all. Scene. It's after, it's at the end of Island of Lost Dreams. Okay. Um, I'll go ahead and do my uh, stuff to clear. my experiences. I also like Sarah saw it in theaters and loved it. And I think I watched we watched it so much when it came out that I think in the end, my sister and I ended up watching Island of Lost Dreams more and liking it better because we just got burned <laughs> out of the first one. <laughs> but I do like that Alexa make a scene where she's the pop star. I don't know why. It kind of reminds me of Lizzie McGuire movie. <laughs> like the same nice. vibe. But I actually was very hesitant to watch it again because sometimes mm. movies that you love as kids don't age well. And I was afraid that was going to yeah. happen with this one. I feel like this one held up great. I think it held up pretty well. Um, still yeah. love all the text, especially that microwave. Oh. I have notes about the um, microwave. <laughs> I can't wait to get it. <laughs> oh my god, the microwave that I think about probably at least once a week <laughs> as an adult. Who doesn't think about it that um, Right. Yeah. Um, but also some of the lines, like, I was, I enjoyed myself watching this because, like, some of these lines, I was like, where did these come from? Like, how do I still remember these specific lines? Yes. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, the, the, not even, like, necessarily, like, the punchy ones. Right. Uh, but, like, the ones that just, like, the delivery or something, like, sticks in your head. I feel like that's true with a lot of the Junie has a lot of lines that, that are just, the way he delivers them are really good. Did you guys also yes. just, like, totally take on the saying shiitake mushrooms to say shit? Yes! That was, like, the edgiest, funniest joke yeah. at my mm-hmm. elementary school where everyone would be like, oh, shit, talking <laughs> mushrooms. Yeah. Oh, you know how... Sarah, you've discussed this theory before. Um, where you hate a character so much because they are so like you. Mm. Oh, yes. I think this is the closest that I've ever gotten to that feeling of Carmen. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. I was <laughs> like, like, Carmen, so I, like, she drives me crazy so much, but I don't know. I was like, so uh, that's interesting because <laughs> I think I have a different reason. But, like, yeah, I was like, Car- I was talking to Jared about it and I was like, Carmen is so, like, she's the mean one. I don't see her. And- yeah, like Shandri. She's at like all. She, I'm like she's mean, and he's like, well, Junie's annoying, and I was the youngest child, and he was an older child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's I'm wondering really if funny. that's what it was. I was a middle child, so I was like, they just need to chill out <laughs> and get this done, or it's yeah. gonna be a problem. <laughs> see, here's the thing, though. I was like, I don't like. I love my sister, but I could see myself at that age being a brat. Yeah, like like Carmen. Well, it's it's I mean, very it's a very common yeah. phase for an older child to go through where it's like, okay, I've decided you're annoying now. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's like you haven't really gotten into the I'm going to protect you stage. It's more of the like, right. I'm gonna, yeah, ostracize you stage. And like, but Carmen does have mm-hmm. those scenes like sometimes where like at the beginning she'll be like she didn't want him to see the shark, and so she's like closing your eyes. Yeah, you know, like so yeah. she has those moments. Yeah, and I like to really relate to that as the oldest sibling. I mean, it is nice. They do. They do really like it's. It's funny because, and again, uh, t- shocking no one. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but the through line sort of of the movie is like it's hard to you know it takes work to keep a happy family together kind of thing, um, which is nice. And I feel like they lay out the storylines pretty subtly with moments like what Shader was describing, where the older sister's complaining about having to take care of her brother, but then she like keeps him from seeing stuff that's gonna scare him and like all this stuff. But it's so funny because they like they they execute that very well. And then the the very last scene of the movie is them talking directly into the camera and being like, 
Spying, easy. But keeping a family together, that's the hard work. And that's the important thing that we're going to work on. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, no, we got it. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, like, I know it's a movie for children, but I feel like even as a child, I was like, no, I get it. Like, I get what the movie's about. <laughs> I, will, I, I will say my experience. I watched it as a kid. Loved it. Still love it to this day. I, I, when I was maybe 21 years old, um, my... I feel like last year. You became a spy. No, my friend, my friend Kristen, she was just like, yeah. she made a reference to slizzards, which are the snake lizards from Island of Lost Dreams. And I was like, did you just reference slizzards? She's like, it's part of the zeitgeist. Everybody knows what a slizzard is because everyone's seen Spy Kids too. God, I didn't remember that and part. We all, and then I was like, I think that tonight we're going to watch every Spy Kids movie. And we did. Oh. <laughs> Jared and I love it. We have nice. the, the, the microwave. Actually, um, Jared designed a D&D scene the other day with that microwave in it. And I got a Pizza <gasps> Hut pizza. Okay, well, it's technically a food dehydrator, I feel the need to say. <laughs> and so our audience doesn't go absolutely insane hearing us just allude to this. There's a point where they're on a submarine that's like got all these high-tech gadgets. And there's like what looks like a microwave where you put these like... They're the, supposed no, to look like MRE packets, I house. think. Yeah. What was that? The microwave's in the safe house. Yeah. Oh, the safe house. My bad. Um, and... There's like, yeah, just these little foil packets and you put them in. And so she puts one in and hits the it's button and this McDonald's like Big Mac with fries satisfying. It's like the boldest and yet most effective product placement that I've literally ever seen. I'm I, so bold. Like, they- I don't, I don't think I've ever actually had a Big Mac. Like, I've had McDonald's. I'm not, but like that specific burger, I'm not like, I need a Big Mac, but I oh, see that. I'm like, get oh, one of those. But like, the, <laughs> I really also just the McDonald's. way it's all like, it's like almost like they're pulling out separate identities, right? In a normal spy movie, the way it's wrapped perfectly square and like, you just mm. shuffle through it and then you put it in the microwave. <laughs> anyway, so that's, that's something we still fan- <laughs> fantasize about. And yeah, that's our, the future. Our main quote. <laughs> that's the future that we want. Our future yeah. sucks. <laughs> Wish we could have had that. Yeah. Um, but our other thing is Jared and I quote one part of this movie all the time. And it is like if it's like if you're in public and somebody is like around you being like weird or like, you know, I don't know, somebody who's like, masks are taking away my freedom, you know, blah blah blah. We'll just like look at each other and we'll mumble, Floop is a madman, help us save us. <laughs> Floop is a madman. <laughs> and we say that all the time. So this is actually That's really funny. A, a big part of my life. <laughs> do you guys do the F from Amazing. Yeah, no, we do not do that. No, we'll just We're flashing we'll just that like, sign, Floop yeah. Is a madman, help us save us. <laughs> Sometimes that it gets stuck as an earworm in my head. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's really funny. Anyway, we can go on with the okay. story now. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> the movie starts with the mom, Ingrid, played by, I can never pronounce her last name, Carla. Do you guys know? Uh, it starts with a G. Oh, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. Carla G. Oh, <laughs> 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 Yeah, the movie starts with not slow jazz, but some great, great music that's like perfect, yeah, the perfect spy really movie music. Um, So Ingrid is telling her kids about two, like she's telling a bedtime story to her kids, Carmen and Junie, um, about two enemy spies who fall in love. And it's a really cool scene. It just has like cool, like typical spy, like things like taking off wigs and like like disappearing behind a pillar and coming out as a completely different person using cool Hell gadgets yeah. and stuff like that. And it's a really cool story about how these two enemy spies fall in love. Um, and they have a wedding and 
they end up getting attacked and the, they jump off a cliff and their parachutes are hearts. And I love yes. that. Can we just talk about how already both are hot? So hot. This is a hot couple, um, guys. Dad is. um, If my parents were that hot, I would be so intimidated all the time. I'd be like, "How do I live up to that?" (laughs) Sorry, mom and dad. I. (laughs) It's just it's intimidating. (laughs) I would be like, I can't live up to how hot my parents are. I mean, but genetically, you know, you could. (laughs) Here's the thing that I want to talk about: the first five minutes of this movie. Not only do we have stunning leads, as you mentioned, but we have. A better spy plot than the entirety of North by Northwest and a better low flying flying machine, a helicopter instead of a crop duster plane, (laughs) swooping down at our protagonist. Much more exciting. Unfortunately, a wedding cake gets ruined, but it just means. And and how many minutes? How many minutes did it take, Sarah? Less than that entire uh, crop dusting scene. A minute? (laughs) Maybe a minute. Yeah. (laughs) It was. I mean, we thankfully watched uh, North by Northwest first. Got that out of the way, and then I was like, spy, kids, spy, kids. But I was kind of like Shandor. I was like, I mean, you know, I remember liking this, but I'm I'm a mature adult now. And then at the end, I was like, hell yeah, this movie rules. <laughs> I'm a mature adult. I made a 69 joke before we started recording. Okay. I was merely commenting on how it was nice that the update was loading so fast and updating you on the percentage, which happened to be 69. So I said, nice. <laughs> So the house, I want to talk about the house because this house is freaking amazing. Oh. oh, yeah. First of all, it has like an indoor obstacle course that Carmen and Junie do. And it also has like... Um, Wait, that's at their house? I thought that was on the playground at school. No, I always thought that was on the no, playground at school. I'm a fool. House. Yeah. Oh. And like it has... And um, so they have like his and her, like the parents have like his and hers like desks. And like mm-hmm. her makeup is like a keyboard and he has like a keyboard that flips up. Um, and they just become computers. And it's really cool spy techy gadget stuff. It's that beautiful there's definitely some CGI in this movie because we're entering into that era, but honestly, holds up better than some of the other movies we've seen. And the practical effects of just like the gadgets that they're like actually like these big clunky GPS things that they're carrying around that looks like a toy you would get. Um, I mean, I guess this episode sponsored, not sponsored by McDonald's <laughs> that you would get in a Happy Meal uh, or, or like, um, I mean, just like all the like machines and stuff like it was like and, you know, I have to take responsibility for the fact that we didn't watch a James Bond movie for our classy uh, portion because I was like, I don't know, is that like a classic or a classy? And then we mentioned North by Northwest and I didn't know how little spying was in it. So I was like, that sounds great. But. I feel like a lot of the fun thrill of watching those types of movies is like, oh, what kind of cool gadgets are they going to use? And this movie excels. I feel like this better movie is than any, 84% gadget and I'm better not Better than any it. James Bond movie. <laughs> Same with Spy Kids too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's like so many creative little, like they have gum that uh, you chew it and it spits out and it's like got electric- oh, electricity but when he that, spits that comes it in clutch several forehead. times. Ugh. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just his virtual so forehead gross, door. Though. It is gross, oh, but it's awesome. So I don't even remember where I was going with this. Just such great, such great spy gadgets. Um. Okay. So we find out this family is keeping secrets from one another. The parents are keeping a secret about their a previous spy lives, and also the dad is still working. Even like he's still keeping up on spy stuff, even though they're supposed to be just consultants and not spies. Um, mm-hmm. Carmen is lying about skipping school 
and Junie is lying about having friends at school. Instead, Junie is an outcast who is obsessed with the show Floops Fooglies. Which seems a little young for him, I'm not going to lie. But whatever makes you happy, right? We just watched my kids. (laughs) I mean, like, who are we to judge? (laughs) It's a little Teletubbies-esque, yeah. Yeah, but creepier. Um, At at one point, the, the dad, they're driving to school and the kid's watching... TV in the car, which I feel like was like super advanced at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, they rich. Are they rich? I mean, he's <laughs> in that house? They... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was amazing. And it's like right on a cliffside over the ocean. Ugh. Anyway, um, which I assume is located in Chicago based on North by Northwest <laughs> geography. Um, they're, 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 dri- they're driving to school. The dad's driving and he's like, being like he's like why do you watch this show this show's so weird and goofy and he fully looks away from the road to watch like a segment <laughs> of this television show while he's driving and i'm like sir that's not okay in fact he almost even hits a kid but he doesn't don't worry but the other hilarious thing about this is while he's looking at the screen he sees one of the like how would you describe they're like these colorful beings humanoids with like crazy looking like sculpted like different shaped faces it's like claymation um, and he looks at that yeah, yeah. And he looks at that, and he's like, I think this is one of the secret agents that's gone missing. I'm like, how did you recognize... He look- he's got a purple triangle face. <laughs> but good for you. What a great spy. <laughs> Just don't do that while you're driving, Antonio Banderas. Like, how many guys can do that super greasy slick back hair, though, and pull it off? Very true. <laughs> Emily was like, wait, why did the mom also grease back By hair? By the way... Like, it's spy grease. You, you gotta have the spy amazing. grease. They both look fabulous. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Um, So we cut to Floop's castle. Listen, the the types and like the cutting and everything that might not be the exact order, but this is how I remember it. This works, and I'll get in all the major points. Um, So at Floop's castle, we found out that Floop um, is basically a contractor who's been given money to build an army for this guy, Mister Lisp. Um, Mr. Lisp is unhappy about the progress um, because all Floop has to show for the money for all the money he's put into it are the thumb thumbs, which are literal robots that are just they're all thumbs. It's like heads are thumb, arms are thumbs, feet are thumb, thumbs. They're thumb thumbs. But they're like human man sized. They're like they're large. <laughs> they're, they're they're really something. They're really something to see. I love them. A real live thumb thumb. <laughs> one of my favorite Junie lines um, adorable and the Fooglies which Sarah's already talked about um, so and then he also has a new project that is going to be his army which are kid rose robots which are freakishly strong, freakishly strong and the one that they used to introduce looks like Mr. List's daughter and, and just, their eyes flash at conveniently plot dramatic moments exactly um, except these robots are missing one thing. They're missing their brain. They don't, they can't talk or do anything Yes, yeah, so they just go, <laughs> whenever they start to talk. So Gregorio, which is the dad, uh, is still keeping tags on the spy work and he finds out that a fellow agent is missing. And that's what, that's when he almost hits the kids at the crosswalk. Um, so <laughs> basically bad. Ingrid and Gregorio get called back into the field to solve this mystery and they leave their kids with Uncle Felix. Uncle in quotes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you're looking at my notes, but there's literally quotes around Uncle Felix. I'm not yeah. your uncle. 
I love that when he reveals to the kids that he's not their uncle, he's like, first of all, stop and peels <laughs> off his big mustache. I'm not your uncle. I'm like, that, that makes sense because all uncles have mustaches. <laughs> um, so almost immediately after Ingrid and Gregorio start their mis- mission, they get kidnapped and the kids and Felix get attacked at the house. Uh, before Carmen and Junie escape, Felix tells them to find the OSS, which is the organization that Ingrid and Gregorio work for, and tell them that the third brain lives. That's their. That's the message. Mm-hmm. Um, Carmen and Junie escape, and there is a speedboat chase, even though Carmen and Junie are on this other type of boat thing. It's an enclosed little submarine that also has a top. Uh, we can talk about that mm-hmm. in a second because I have notes. <laughs> uh, when they finally <laughs> escape their attackers, they settle in for a two-hour trip to the safe house. In which, in which Junie, no, I'm sorry, in which Carmen falls asleep, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm no, okay, no. how it's only two. They made it look. I, I assume this journey is four days long because you are in a submarine. No. With all these crazy gadgets, you're pursuing your parents who may be in danger. It's two hours, and she's like passed out. And I'm like, girl, is that how you? I, I just maybe that's how she deals with stress. I, I don't know. But the the underwater scene where the parents are going through was giving very strong Atlantis vibes. Uh, when they are going, like they dive down in the submarine, and the big monster is chasing them. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yep, I can see that. Um. Yeah, so the I like Carmen just like sprawled out in her chair, like yeah. asleep. I'm like, there's probably a gadget that turns that chair into a comfy bed. Right. Like, what are you doing? There's literally <laughs> like Judy later on is like in a little like bunk bed behind them, <laughs> sleeping. <laughs> like, how did you fall? I could asleep? not. Submarines are scary. I wanted to. I'm. I. I was jealous of them, especially when the sharks were swimming by. Was I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, I like that it has, like, he, like, makes some popcorn for himself, has a little bathroom area, like. 100%, that's what I would do, too. The, Any free amenities, like, yeah. you gotta do it. Heck yeah. When I was staying in that historic hotel I mentioned earlier, they had little soap-shaped, like, bears, and you must believe yeah, I took them home with me. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, I'll send you a picture later. It's adorable. <laughs> But yeah, like even if I wasn't in the mood for popcorn, I'm like, well, it's free. So guess who's eating popcorn? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many gross hotel breakfasts have been like, I mean, it's included in the price, so I guess I'll <laughs> Yep. I guess I'll Ugh. go make this pancake on this dirty griddle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, yes. So the submarine rules. Yes, big fan. As does the safe house when they find it. There are just That's where that again, microwave is. So many That's fun where that less than microwave. Mm. So they finally make it to the safe house, and as they're walking up to the door, Junie's like, "Did you lock it?" And she goes, "Oh, hold on!" <laughs> like it beep beeps like a car alarm. <laughs> there are so many fast, fun little jokes like that. It's really—I mean, the, I'm not even joking. The pacing of this movie is so much better than the dang Hitchcock movie. <laughs> um, but I love you know, like those like little throwaway line jokes are so funny. And there was one when they're like going through all of the gadgets in the safe house in a few minutes, where she like finds a handbook that says how to be a spy, author unknown. <laughs> just, like, they don't like land on it. She just like says it, and then they like move on to the next thing. But like or whatever. But it's just like I don't know. It's funny. It's witty. This reminds me of um, when when my dad and stepmom came to. Uh, moved me into my apartment in Maryland for the second time. 
We went to the spy museum here in DC. That's a cool museum. Oh yeah, I've heard that's cool. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it give they give you like a, a little card and basically you get a spy identity for your trip around the <gasps> museum. Fun. And you get to do little um like ID like uh you like they have like little like computer terminals where you can like solve mysteries, get your assignment, and you know, like it relates to the exhibit, like as someone who's done a museum exhibit before, I was super impressed. <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. Cool. Good for them. Cool. Um, but anyways, let's get back to this thing. So, where am I at here? Okay. They're at the safe house poking around, oh, right. looking okay. at all the cool stuff. And they also learn that the, about their parents and the lies that they've told them. So they find out that uh, they look at a uh, wedding... A photo album, and they find out that the story that Ingrid told the kids is actually their story. Yeah, and Junie's all like, "You should have told me." <laughs> and Carmen's all like, "Look around, look around." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Soon, uh, a Miss Gradenko who works with OSS and other minions from. Oh, I forgot. To, we're gonna have to talk about Mr. Minion soon. Um, yeah, we do. And others from the OSS come to the safe house, and Carmen tells Miss Gradenko the message. But Junie, while Carmen is giving this message, discovers that she is actually with the bad guys that were just chasing them. Also, at this point, and for anyone who wants to picture this woman, she is the actress that plays the brunette desperate housewife that's not Eva Longoria, whose name I can't remember. I want to say Felicity Huffman. No, that's the other one. It's, uh, give me one second, it's, uh, Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher plays this woman, and she plays her. I have to say, everyone is fully committed to their parts in this movie, and as we've discussed before, like, the villain, the guy who's, like, contracting and, like, I want you to build me an army, Floop, like, you would think he was in, like, an 80s action movie. Like, he is playing it straight, and I absolutely love it, and so is Terry Hatcher. I, I heard, I can't remember who it, I can't remember who the director is. But I remember that everyone who works here, they wanted to work on this show with this guy because they have so much fun doing these shows and, like, making these movies. And I think, oh. if I remember right, I think it was Sylvester Stallone was super excited to play in the third one because his kids were going to be able to watch him in a movie. Oh, That's really nice. Right? And, like, because, you know, Sylvester Stallone movies, like, <laughs> I don't think you can really right, show right. your kids those movies. But right. This one, he could, they could show them. That's really cute. Yeah. So, and like, I always wonder about that with kids that are like, their parents are celebrities, right? And they're in sh- TV, like, especially, so say, like Game of Thrones yeah. or whatever, like one of the biggest cultural phenomenon, uh, and flops. pop culture <laughs> phenomenons. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> flops. Um, but, like, some of those actors, like, when their kids eventually get to the point where they're old enough to watch, like, because, like, you'd think, like, okay, you're classmates will probably talk about it at some point and like all this stuff and it's like uh is it, it like would you would Dad, you, can i watch you play king joffrey Thrones, <laughs> yeah right <laughs> or like any where you're just like oh yeah this is horrifying <laughs> <laughs> or like god forbid like oh wow the super famous sex scene that my parents are in <laughs> okay we gotta get back on track okay of course let's see oh, okay so while this tussle between the OSS people and um, Carmen and Junie is happening, 
they find the third eye, which is this tiny little brain thing. Third brain. The third brain. Third eye. eye. (laughs) I'm like, what is... I was like, yeah, sure, third eye shaped like a brain makes sense. Go on. (laughs) Um, So, and then there's the fight, and then uh, eventually Carmen and Junie escape with the brain. Any comments about that fight? Uh, What's her name gets her hair burned off. Oh, Oh, yeah. We don't see the result till later. I would like to mention the fact that at a certain point, uh, for an extended period of time, there are two children on functioning jetpacks flying through a city and into a store, and then atrocities that are made entirely out of thumbs following them and chasing them around. Literally not no one, one person looks up. There must have been like a great sale uh, at the shirt rack that they're at, because no one flinches or bats an eye at these or, <laughs> insane things or, that are happening. So like, are their parents good spies, um, or do they just live... In a stupid I mean, it could town. be that, or it could just be Florida. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fair. I, I got more of a California vibe. Yeah, I got that vibe, I too. I got a Mexico vibe. Or, like I said, Chicago, because yeah, of all know. the mountains and oceans. So, now we, we cut back to Floop's castle, and Ingrid and Gregorio escape and end up having dinner with Floop. Like, he's like, oh, it took you 15 minutes to get here, now we can eat. Um, where he tells them about his plans for the third brain. And we figure out that Gregorio was part of a secret project for the brain, the third brain, um, to hold all spy knowledge and basically, you know, make like robot spies. I don't know. And we're talking about AI here, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But the project was discontinued and supposedly destroyed, but it turns out that Gregorio kept a prototype. It's so funny. This scene. I love it. So so, like, it's, like, Gregorio in a lab, because I guess he was also, like, a techie dude, and they're developing Amazing. the third brain, and somebody's, like, it has to be destroyed, it's too powerful, and he's, like, okay, and he has this little baby hammer, and he <laughs> pulls down the third brain, and looks around super obviously, quickly switches out a fake brain, and don't smashes it. Don't be suspicious, it. don't be With a walnut. It's, it's, yeah, no, yeah, it was a walnut, and it's just so cartoonish, and it, it it's lovely. I, and Antonio owns it's it. It's so funny. We were watching this because I always remembered this scene too, especially his tiny, tiny hammer. Um, <laughs> so- and I always thought that uh, what he took out of his pocket was a fake tiny brain, like a tiny little fake <laughs> plastic brain and that he smashed. And then I was watching it with my roommate and I was like, um, well, it's a good thing he had a fake tiny brain in his pocket. And he's like, yeah, I always carry a walnut with me. And I was like, you need a walnut. <laughs> You got You totally he would have gotten away with it if Sarah was watching. You know, <laughs> like, when they were cleaning kids. up, yeah. did they not go, why is there a smashed one? That's, That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I just always assumed that he had gone into this knowing that he was going to smash a fake brain. Like, he was like, I was snacking while I was smashing my life. Can you blame me? I always eat walnuts when I'm stressed. I find me... The, the action of opening up the walnut really uh, gets rid of that stress. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I once met a truck driver who said that when he got sleepy on overnight shifts, because, you know, truck driving industry is insane and you basically get fired if you don't drive fast enough. Um, he would eat pistachios, but he wouldn't take the shells off. And he's like, yeah, I'd crunch down on them and the shells would stab into my gums and that would like wake me up for a few seconds while I drove. And I was like, I, I hate, hate this. It. This is, this is terrible. That's so. Oof. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if I was on that, I would eat like com. I would get combos, 
And then when I was a kid, I used to try and suck the filling out of combos before I would like chew into the cracker. What? Hilarious. That's so gross. <laughs> like, the main premise of this podcast is like what you like, but gross. <laughs> okay. Andrea, back I mean, me up here. I don't think it's a gross thing to do, but it is a gross thing to picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, like, mm-hmm. I did this thing. It's even worse. Like, I'd get ice cream sandwiches. The best part for me was the cookie on the outside, not the ice cream. And I wanted sure. a heavier ratio of that than the ice cream. So I would take my pinky I love this and already. just, like, kind of carve oh. out the sides nope. and lick them so the ice cream's on my finger and squish it down more so uh-huh. that the ratio was more to my pleasure. <laughs> oh, oh, this one's even better. No, we talked about shredded wheat earlier. My sister is so grossed oh, out by this. But, like, I liked the shredded wheat softened, but they always had too much milk in them. So I would pick it up in my spoon mm-hmm. and press my thumb down on it to squeeze out some of the milk oh, and then eat it. God, this is awful. So, yeah, it's worse. Um, I mean, like, I, I like I like the nougat and Three Musketeers. So sometimes if I'm sometimes if I have the the time and the ambition, I like nibble off the chocolate around all the edges and then just eat a giant bite of yeah, nougat. Yeah, I don't know with Kit Kats, too. Mm, like cats are overrated. I'm sorry. What, Chandra? <laughs> Did you eat it? We both Kit don't like Kit Kats that much. Second best yeah. after peanut butter cups. What? Okay, both of those are uh, so. Peanut wrong. butter cup is number wrong. one. Snickers are is number one. Are you kidding me? Snickers. Then Three Musketeers Snickers bars. Trash. Then Twitch. Are you oh, kidding you're me? Trash. <laughs> Snickers are gross. <laughs> Snickers are delicious. Snickers are like my hiking treat. I know. What peanuts and caramel and uh, chocolate? Yeah, but cheap ass versions of all those things. Hey, you know what? Some of us like cheap ass. You know, that's but like, what Kit Kats are. It's just cheap ass chocolate no, covering wafers that are tasteless. They complement oh. each other super well. I will say, Kit this snap. one is going to get me in trouble, and it always has. But like, right in my top five is an almond joy, and I know everyone's going to come for me. Okay, but all right. <laughs> you know what? Why don't you just go eat some high fiber cereal exactly, and a Kit Kat bar? <laughs> It's an old people candy, and I love it. Oh god! And that got wow, I, oh, I feel my adrenaline pumping. See, I'm not even going to be able to fall asleep in my chair now. Can you imagine falling asleep? I know. In a submarine, in a submarine chasing your parents' kidnappers. Oh, it just makes us good friends because if we go trick or treating, oh, we together, would have a really good system. Then, you know what the bada real bing, problem is. Is that once you've yeah. had Cadbury chocolate, it's hard to go oh, back to America. Cadbury candy. eggs. I don't like Cadbury, Cadbury chocolate, though. like the little mini eggs, not the weird. The little not, cream None of the things, things with cream in them. The no, cream is man. gross. The just just yeah. straight up right. little mini ones. egg. Oh, no, no, no. That, that's, right, that's, that's the delicious. best. That is. Okay, so we can all. All right. Yeah. We're good. We can all still right, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> have you tried Cadbury hot chocolate? I have not. It's so good. Okay. Anyway. Okay. One of the. Uh, optional field trips that we could go on while I was studying abroad in England was a trip okay. to Cadbury World. Oh, hot damn. What? And I regret every day of my life not You going didn't to do Cadbury it? World. I oh. was poor. I mean, that's fair. Poor decision. <laughs> more like. What? I wanted to go to Wales instead because I had Doctor Who things to do. That's fair. <laughs> I went to Dover instead of Wales because I hadn't seen Doctor Who. So I was like, I mean, that sounds fun, but. I'm gonna climb them cliffs, baby. <laughs> That's fair. I was like, I need to go to this specific plaza and get my picture taken in front of this specific fountain. But I was by myself, 
as per usual. And I had to ask a complete stranger to take my picture. And she goes, or what did she say? She's kind of like mean about it. She said, long way to go for a picture. <laughs> I was like, rude? Like, <laughs> damn. Okay. All right. But, Dang. And then they had, like, anyways, it doesn't matter. Okay. Back on topic. Um, yep. So, okay. So Gregorio kept a prototype of the third brain. Oh my god, that's what we're talking about? <laughs> I don't know how we got there. Walnuts. We got the products, the walnuts, to candy. <laughs> oh, walnuts, walnuts. <laughs> Genuinely, I want you to leave that entire <laughs> tangent in, because I think I it's will. so on brand for us. <laughs> um, okay, so now we go back to Carmen and Junie. So they are regrouping at a park. And while they're there, Carmen and Junie fight, because Carmen's mean. She's mean. She does straight up bully yeah. her brother. Also, can we talk about the misinspiration surrounding warts in okay, this movie? Okay, I will say that makes me a little like all the like wart talk. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. talk about your warts, um, Junie. Yeah. So the the thing is that like he get, he's scared all the time, so his hands get sweaty, so he gets warts on his hands. And I'm like, I I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure that warts are a virus that you have, and then you get them. They're fungus, like they're like outbreaks essentially. Right? What was that? They're, Super they're common. Fungus. Yeah. Um, they're what? They're a fungus, not a virus. I hate that. Uh, <laughs> That's worse. And they're like so hard to get rid of. Like I've like I've like burned them off and stuff, and like it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of sympathy for Judy, but they kept being like, "If you get sweaty hands, that's why you get warts. So you need to stop being a little coward." <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, for though, like. Maybe give him some therapy if he's scared all the time. Yeah. Poor kids probably traumatized all the time. Yes, and looking for an baby. escape in his TV show, that's a comfort to him. Yeah, because the TV show's literally like, the world's a terrible place, but you're safe here and I'll be your friend. And they're like, why does he watch this? I'm like, yeah. well, maybe. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so Carmen and Junie fight and they separate. And then they are met by their robot, robot counterparts. Um, who take the brain and go back to Floop's castle. And we find out at this scene sometime during this process that the brain is to make the robot kids smart so that they can take over the world. Basically. Emily pointed out that it's convenient that all the world leaders apparently have children approximately oh the same God. age. <laughs> That's a very good point. Um, but they're the spy kids. The titular spy kids, if you will. Um, no, Carmen and Junior are the spy kids. No, the the little army, oh, he's like, they? I call them spy kids. But Carmen and Judy are the real spy kids. You know what I mean? It's I layered. It's actually a title that was had some thought yeah. put into it. Unlike, just to pull a name off the top of my head, North by Northwest, yeah, which the creators are basically like, it's kind of the direction they traveled. I don't know. Not really. They must go straight west. I am convinced that they don't know anywhere outside of California exists. I think you're right. I had some... Or New York, I guess. Okay, back to the Northwest. Like, back to the Indiana thing where they're just, like, in the middle of, like, a dusty field. I had so much mm-hmm. derision for, like, Californians. Like, you don't even know what a real field is. You don't is. even know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you like bread? Wait, never mind, you don't, because you're a Californian. But the <laughs> point is, all of our grain comes from the Midwest, so show some gosh dang respect. <laughs> Welcome to carb country, jerks. <laughs> I don't even live there anymore. I like I the Midwest is trash in so many ways, but it's also nice in a lot of ways. And I don't like that people that have never been there are like it's not worth visiting because I'm like you don't know, you don't know how not worth visiting <laughs> parts of the Midwest are. <laughs> I, I I will say my favorite thing about being, you know, raised in the West and living in the Midwest for a couple of years was there were many people I met who were like when I was twelve, 
And my job was cutting the tops off of corn stalks. What is that? Like corn? Detasseling? Detasseling. Everyone. <laughs> were Giving the corn haircuts. <laughs> I was terrified I was going to have to have a detasseling job. Because they make you wear long sleeves in July. I could not. I literally could not. <laughs> so I'm like, high. normal people are like, we delivered <laughs> newspapers. And you guys were like, we cut off some corn tassels. And it gave me, and it gave me two dollars so I could go to the general store and get Tootsie Rolls. <laughs> they don't have to detassel anymore. Oh, okay. Um, oh, what? because they they genetically change the corn, so they don't have that issue. <sighs> That's wild. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to Carmen and Junie. Carmen and yes, you want to talk about Machete? <laughs> um. Okay. So Carmen and Junie go to Machete's spy shop to get some answers. Machete is the one that makes all the gadgets. And they keep having like a running a joke, like their gadgets break. And they're like, oh, another fine Machete product. <laughs> he was also the best man at Ingrid and Gregorio's wedding. And when they get to the his shop, they find out Machete and Gregorio are brothers. And basically, Machete is the older brother. And he gets annoyed with how, always having to take care of his little brother Gregorio which uh, he basically repeats what Carmen says at the beginning where Carmen's like I, I'm so sick of it I watch out for Junie take care of Junie show Junie right from wrong Carmen mm-hmm. like I should not have to care about anyone but myself and that's basically word for word what Machete says about Gregorio so there's some nice parallels there if I can yes and she's like but that's what family's for and for a visual just so all y'all know who don't know Machete is plays, played by Danny Trejo, so he has like his own trilogy of the movies. The toughest looking, yes. in the same yeah. universe, amazing. Too, right? it's the, and same director, Robert. Yeah, Rodriguez. except like a violent. It's Robert Red- <laughs> who, did, who did From Dusk Till Dawn is who's doing this movie and does all the Machete movies. And like I nice. obviously as a kid did well, actually not obviously because I did watch a lot of um hard, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> bad maybe not child appropriate stuff, but like Machete, I never had heard of it, so I was like, okay, they're Uncle Machete, blah blah. blah. But for some parents, this was like Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> this was like, what? Machete's here and he's machete? <laughs> That's so funny. Um, I I also, I've, I can't remember if I said this already, but shout out to a early 2000s movie having a Latino-centric yeah. cast. Uh, that was so sad. not something we saw super often back then. It's sad that like, yeah, like that, that was, oh, look how rare this was. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember, again, we say this all the time, I didn't, like, clock it as a kid. I was just like, yeah, cool, whatever. And then this one, I was like, oh, man, okay. I'm glad they yeah. did that. <laughs> okay. So um, Machete refuses to help them save their parents from fluke. So while he is sleeping, Carmen and Junie gathers the spy supplies they need, and they escape on the spy plane to save their parents. Uh, crap. I wrote down part of this joke, but I can't remember what it was. What was it when... So there, he was like, "I'm your uncle," and they a were real like, uncle. Do you make? Because we already yeah, have that was cute. We, we already one. have a fake one. No, that was funny. But then he's they're like, "You like? Do you invent these gadgets? Like you're traveling all the time, and nobody really knows what you do." And then he's like, "We all have uncles <laughs> like that." <laughs> so that's pretty funny. <laughs> so Carmen and Judy make it to the castle after some flying mishaps. Like as much as Carmen like says like talks down to Junie, she also just gave him a whole handbook on how to fly a plane and said, figure it out so we can fly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's 
Yeah. Um, they also, uh, important to note, take off with a whole bunch of machetes, gadgets. Did yeah. you say that already? I said they gather supplies. I think that's specifically what they were, though. They were some really fun ones, like the gum and the mini cameras. Yeah. Yeah, the little cameras. The world's smallest camera. You can't see it, but it can see you. <laughs> Terrifying. I hate it. <laughs> I also like when they're flying the plane, they like run into a wall and they lose one wing and then Judy steers them and like takes off the other wing. And he's she's like, what are you doing? He's like, now we're even. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to do that. It would, I just, I'm like, listen, it might kill us, but I need to be even. Right. Like- <laughs> so while they're in the castle trying to find their parents, they find the Fuglies and Judy uses his watch, which is like a recording device or something, to talk to them and figure out what's going on. And then they get separated. So basically, she, he talks to one of the Fuglies and was like, they're like, where are our parents? And they're like, and they're, in the du- they're in the dungeon. So they start looking for the dungeon, but then they get separated. Um, okay, I want to talk about this floor. So when... Oh, yeah. Ingrid and Gregorio are trying to escape. They're running down this hallway, and all of a sudden, like, puzzle pieces, this red floor kind of, like, crashes, like, beneath them. So Gregorio tries to jump over it, and it turns out to just be a floor that just plexiglass. So it's a really funny, like, physical mm-hmm. comedy scene. It's an optical illusion, and it's yeah. quite funny. <laughs> and then later on, the same thing happens to Carmen and Junie, except this time Carmen falls down the hallway. And so this is how they get so separated. Magic, question so mark? Carmen ends up down yes. where, I don't know, like, okay, first of all, this is the first time I realized this. She ends up in, like, a Thumb Thumbs room. <laughs> he has, like, mm-hmm. pictures on mm-hmm. the wall mm-hmm. and, like, a little, like, dorm room type, like, this is my room. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> and then, nice. And then um, so she puts on a Thumb Thumb uniform. And meanwhile, Junie ends up in the virtual room and talks to Floop. And gets him basically to come to the good side because he doesn't, he just, he didn't have bad intentions to begin with. He's basically been manipulated by Minion. I mean, kind of. I feel like they, like, it seemed like he knew exactly what was Absolutely. going on, but just didn't care because he cared more about his show. Yeah, that, that's I feel better. like they should have, I feel like it would have played better if he didn't know what was happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if he would have just been like, unwittingly, like, look at these cool inventions that I'm making, and then Minion would have been like, we're using them for wah. Um, <laughs> But he, like, knew what was do- going on, but just didn't really care. And he was like, eh, I don't really feel like doing this anymore. Um, but I was like, yo, you were, like, selling uh, weapons to militaries. That's not, not cool, super <laughs> great for a- well, whatever. While we brought him up, I just want to say that Minion is played by Tony Shalhoub, who is one of the greatest actors of our time. <laughs> I, I love him. To bring that up, so. And when he, did, when he does his evil reveal... <laughs> He takes off his glasses and you're like, oh, yes, he's evil now. <laughs> Ladies get hot when they take off their glasses and men get evil. <laughs> so basically, Floop and um, Junie meet back up with Carmen and they go to rescue their parents. They are reunited and they're all telling their like, secrets. Carmen's like, I've been skipping school. And mom's like, yeah, I know. We'll talk about it later. And then they split up again to stop the robot kid army. And the parents immediately get captured again by the robot and Carmen, robot Carmen and Junie. These are supposed to be two top spies, and they get caught twice. Uh, Carmen and Junie um, go to face off against their robot counterparts, while Floop tries to reprogram the third brain to make them not evil, basically. I love when they get to the room. He's like, we have to get to this control room and do yada, yada, yada before uh, it's too late. And then he like clicks the thing to see what the countdown clock is. And it just says, too late (laughs) on the screen. Just really funny. (laughs) That is funny. 
like that's that seems like as an actor that would be really fun to do like that scene oh yeah yeah like i said it looked like everybody was having a great time which i love to see uh okay and then basically they all meet back into the main room where minion um miss gradenko and mr lisp are ready to see the kids come attack the cortez family in yes. the end uh at the last minute well um gregorio's like okay here's the plan I'll take the ones, I'll take the hundred on the left. Uh, Ingrid, you take the hundred on the right. Uh, Carmen, center left. Junie, center right. And Junie's like, there's 500. We still have five, 100 left. And then uh, magically Machete comes in and he comes to take care of the center 100, I guess. Um, magically Machete sounds like a 70s sitcom <laughs> about a man who used to work for the CIA who... Falls in love with, I don't know, maybe like a fairy. <laughs> that reminds me. Um, so Machete is his uh, his code name, right? But um, mm-hmm. Gregorio's code name is Ombre. <laughs> <laughs> Cracks me up. So much less cool. Because at the beginning, <laughs> there's a scene where they're at the airport and he's getting picked up by someone and it just says Ombre uh-huh. <laughs> on the car. Man. Man. <laughs> there you go. It works. Oh, Amazing. so funny. But also, I think it can mean boss, too, right? Can like, it? the man. Oh, like, the man. Like, but maybe not. Know. Maybe, I mean, I'm not an expert on... I took Spanish in, like, middle school, right. so it's been a minute. <laughs> um. So, basically, they're getting ready to fight, and then all of a sudden, Flute figures out how to reprogram them, and they basically, like, mob the bad guys. Uh, yes. There's a big family reunion where Gregorio and Machete make up, and then the whole Cortez family is back at their house, and everyone's happy, and then George Clooney makes an appearance. <laughs> yeah. Typical George. Another thing where, like, as a kid, I was like, sure. Wasn't he the president? Or No, he's the, he's the main spy guy no, that gives him a job. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's the main but the best, the best thing is that he's got a sensor bar over <laughs> yeah, his yeah. eyes to hide his identity, right, on the TV screen. And then he, like, takes it off as if it was a pair of sunglasses to, like, talk to them. And then he, like, puts it back on. <laughs> it is so funny. We're basically, he's like, I have a new assignment for you. And the parents are like, oh, you know, we're not sure if we're back yet. We haven't talked as a family. And then he's like, no, we actually want the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids are like, you have to take these nerds. We're taking these nerds with us because they're part of our family. <laughs> and that's the part where they look, look directly into the camera because they're talking to George Clooney, but they're staring right at the viewer and they're like, family's important. It's important to keep your family together. That's the mission that we're working on. And okay. I'm like, oh, all okay. right, all right. <laughs> Nobody said that you weren't. Goodness. <laughs> and that's the movie. Uh, what a delight. What a Great fun movie. romp. What what an exciting spy thriller, like, so true to the genre, but in just a less violent and sometimes gross way. Like, what a masterpiece. <laughs> Love it. Oh, gosh. Guys, I'm tired. I've been yawning this whole I know. Well, time. We're, listen, we're almost done. I, don't fall asleep in your seat like Carmen during a boring spy <laughs> submarine ride. She's so funny. She just pulled out. <laughs> so funny. All right. So recommendations. Let's say you're a top secret international spy and you get caught up in a plot where you're being framed for murder and you're talking to a CIA agent. You're like, you got to get me out of this. And he's like, I will. But first you have to crack the code by recommending without explaining why either (laughs) North by Northwest or Spy Kids. Spy Kids. (laughs) And can you imagine the reaction when he watched it? (laughs) That'd be amazing. (laughs) 
<laughs> taking notes on all the gadgets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shandra, <laughs> I'm assuming you're also yes, spiky. Unlike our candy bar preferences, we all we all choose spiky. At least we're all correct here, unlike Andrea with her candy bar preferences. We'll get into it later. Anywho. Let's wrap this up, homies. Much like a candy bar. Oh, oh, oh! Nice, nice. Oh, oh, my oh Shandra's got jokes. Shandra's got jokes. <laughs> you have officially been hanging out with Sarah too long. Uh, <laughs> too long or just long, long enough. enough. Um, so if you would like to leave a review of our podcast, we would absolutely love that. I mean, if you want to leave a review that's five stars or the max number of stars points or whatever you can give, we would also really like that. It gets the message out. If you leave a five-star review, that's actually entering in a spy code into your phone that'll open up a world of You adventure. might have access to that but microwave that we talked about. <laughs> oh, girl. Um, I'm not making promises, but you might. And uh, <laughs> if you let us know, we'll send you a sticker. They're really great. We have a great graphic designer. And also, if you just want a sticker, let us know. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Clashy Spencers. You can also send us an email at clashypodcasts at gmail.com. That's right. Remember not to fall in love with the enemy or do because it's always sexy. And in the meantime, stay clashy. But um, I will say, actually, this is a good story and I'll say it really quickly. Yes, when I got my tonsils removed. <laughs> Um, I was young and I had mixed up two very important words. Uh, the word for, uh, what puts you to sleep when you get surgery and seduction. So basically I asked my mother when I I wanted to ask her, I was like, are they going to sedate me for the surgery? Because I hadn't been watching a lot of ER. So I knew that obviously. Uh And I mixed it up and I was like, mom, is the doctor going to seduce me? And she was like, you have been watching too much ER. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, do you mean sedate? And I was like, yeah, that's the one I meant. Oh, my God. That's incredible. (laughs)